0: Well, I'm good to see y'all here today. Uh, I'd like to, uh, first of all, before we get started, is uh, give you just kind of a couple reports. As y'all know, probably a number of you get the prayer uh, request, you know, that comes out on the prayer chain. Well, y'all be sure to keep J.B. Brown in your prayers. Uh, He's in the hospital right now, and they're looking at putting him in a rehab for a little while to try to get him some strength back. Uh, this is the second time here in just a few days that he's been in the hospital. He's just, Martha seems to think he's just tired. He's getting wore out. And she seems to think maybe that JB just kind of giving up. So y'all keep JB in prayer. Uh, I can't go see him, but I, I can talk to him on the telephone. And uh, I hope they open up this thing eventually to where can kind of check on people. You know, sometimes you need spiritual help just as much as you need medical help. Just knowing that somebody cares, that somebody can pray with you, that somebody can just anoint you with oil, lay their hands on you, and truly pray for you that you will recover. You know, and uh, I honestly believe that when I go to a hospital, I'm expecting something to take place. I'm expecting something to happen. There's a scripture that I use every time that I pray for somebody in the hospital. And when I lay my hands up on them, I tell them. I said, in the word of Jesus, Him Himself said that I can lay my hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Now who said that? Not me. Jesus said it. That was instructions to His disciples. When you go to somebody, lay your hands upon them, pray for them, and they shall recover. I've got the faith. I know I've got the faith to believe that God is touching somebody. I've seen it too much. I've seen it too often. I've seen God's hand move when even the doctors didn't believe that it would happen. Walter's one of them. He, he, he was in the hospital up there with stroke. And Don, his son, called me just as soon as they found out about it and I was up there immediately. And I saw Walter just about every day up here in Decatur praying over him. Doctors didn't think he'd come out of there. He walked out of there. And he's walking around doing great today. Walter, how old are you? 92, 93? 92 years old and still going. See, God's got a plan. We don't always understand this. Many people think, well, after I started getting up in age, God didn't have any use for me anymore. Look at some of the old prophet, excuse me, the old testament prophets at their ages, and there's some of them God didn't even use until they was up in their 70s and 80 years old. Sometimes we have to mature enough to accept what God is saying. You've been around long enough, you've seen it, you said. I'm believing what God's saying because I've seen it and I've been a witness to it. So sometimes we have to get on up in age for us to mature enough to believe what God is saying. And if you'll do that, I'll guarantee you God can use you each and every day. He can put somebody in your life that you can talk to, that you can witness to, and that you can tell them about Him. You've been there. You've done that. You've seen it. You know what you're talking about. And uh, so anyway, y'all keep JB in prayer. Keep Martha in prayer. She's still kind of under the weather. We've got a number of people still out there that needs prayer. So I'm just going to ask you to keep the whole church in prayer. I'm asking you to keep me in prayer. You know, I guess sometimes you just get and I know it's the devil trying to tell me that uh, you just need to walk away. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. You can get up there and you can preach and you can preach, but people don't listen. See, now that's what I'm being told. And I say, but see, I know where it's coming from. I just simply look at the devil and say, Satan, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus for it is written, it is written in God's Word that I belong to Him. His hand is up on me. He is watching over me. He is using me to glorify Him. I'm not going to let Satan draw me down. He'll draw every one of you down that he can. He will try to pull you away from the from under God's hand. He'll tell you, "Hey, look at all the things you've done. Look at your life. Look how you've lived. And you think God can forgive you for all that?" I'm going to tell you right now, yes, he can. Cuz I'm I'm one of them. I know that I am forgiven of everything I've ever done, because I went to Jesus and I accepted the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He is the Son of God. I believe He died on that cross for me. And I believe He rose that third day. And I believe He's sitting at the hand of God right now. Waiting to come back for His church. And the only thing He's waiting for is for God to look over there and say, Son, go get my children. That's all it's going to take. Nothing else has to happen. Everything is already in the works. All Jesus has to do is come back. That trumpet sounds, man, we're out of here. We're out of here. And we shall be in heaven for all eternity. And I'm going to bring a message today. And I know it's not for everybody. But I believe every single one of us has family And we have friends that we need to witness to. We've all got friends and family that do not know God. Every one of us. And we need to let them know that they need to know some things. They need to know some things about God, what to expect from God, and what they have to do in order to have eternal life in heaven. There's a lot of people that don't believe in God. They don't believe in eternity. Many people believe, well, when you die, that's it. You're just dead. Wouldn't that be terrible to go through life, like what you're going right now, with no hope? Nothing but death. This is the end. But we have our hope in Jesus Christ. He has promised us and told us that if we would believe upon Him, we shall have eternal life in heaven with Him for all eternity. You know, I, I can't even begin to imagine how wonderful and how great heaven's going to be. Even God told us in His Word. He says, For eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God's got in who love him. We don't have a thing here on this earth to compare to heaven. Paul went to heaven, but when he come back, he couldn't tell nobody anything about it. Now, he doesn't say God told him not to tell us, but he said he couldn't even speak about it. I think that one thing that Paul saw so much that he didn't even know how to describe it because it was so beautiful, and there was nothing here that we could compare it to. We, You know, I've told y'all before about my wife's dad. He had an open heart surgery, and they put him under pretty deep. And he had a dream that he went to heaven. He wouldn't talk about it for quite a while. Every time he'd think about it, he'd start crying. he told us one day, he said, when I went to heaven, everything was so beautiful. He said the colors were so much brighter than what we see it here. He said the flowers were so bright and so beautiful. The grass was so green. He saw flowers. He saw grass. He said he just stood there in awe. He said he didn't know who it was. But he said, somebody kept motioning him, come on, come to me, come to me. And he kept looking down there at all those beautiful flowers. And he thought to himself, I don't want to step on those flowers. I don't want to crush those beautiful, beautiful flowers. And they said, come on. He said, he stepped out. He said, the flowers, he didn't crush them. They came up through his feet. Crush. He stepped on them, but they never crushed. They just come to his feet. He was a spirit then. Everything was so beautiful. He said, and the nurses finally come in there, and they woke him up. He said he was so mad at those nurses. He said, I wasn't ready to come back. He said, what I saw was so beautiful and so wonderful. He said, I didn't want to come back. He said he did everything in his power he could to go back to sleep and dream, but he couldn't do it. But he had that one experience, and finally he shared it with us. And it wasn't that much longer, he went home to be with his Jesus. So we know where he's at. I have an idea of what heaven looks like just from what he said. Now some of you have probably maybe talked to people that's been to heaven or had visions of heaven and you've got an idea of how beautiful heaven may be. But I don't think even, it's hard for us to describe because like I said, there's nothing here to compare it to. It's not like, well you know right over there, you know how beautiful that is? That's kind of like it. No, it's not even close to heaven. It's beautiful to us now, but it's nothing close to how beautiful heaven is. But we have not visioned what God's got in store for us for those that love Him. Like I said a while ago, that scripture is, For eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart what what God has in store for man for those who love Him. God's got so much in store for the believer, for those that love Him, So I've got to tell you something. To get to heaven, you've got to believe it on this side of the grave. You've got to believe it before you pass on. Once you die, there is no chance of salvation if you have not received Jesus Christ. It's past. It's gone. And I'm going to talk about some of this in a minute. The title of my message is the altar of God. The altar of God. How many of us use an altar? We have one right here. And very, very seldom I ever see anybody come up and kneel down at this altar. You know what an altar is? In the Hebrew, altar means The table of God. The table of God where offerings and sacrifices are offered to God. That's an altar. And I'm going to look at an altar here in just a minute. I'm going to tell you what the the first altar was. Who, Who sacrificed on the very first altar? It may not be who you think it is. You know who it was? It was Noah. Noah made the first sacrifice. The first thing Noah did when he stepped off of the ark was he built an altar so he could sacrifice an offering to God. Now this was a thanksgiving offer for bringing them through the flood and all this. You know, there was only eight of them. Eight people on that ark ark, plus all the animals. There was Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Population started all over from eight people. But he was the first one to build an altar. And I'm going to read this right here. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 through 21. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground, or any I will not curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil. The imagination of man's heart is evil. And it is. Even today, man's heart has evil imaginations and thoughts. It says that that for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done? He said, I'm not going to do it no more. So nowhere in the Bible do we see where an altar was ever built before the flood. You read, starting out, nobody Matter of fact, you know, we do know, (coughs) excuse me, that Cain and Abel sacrificed to God. But they never built an altar. They just sacrificed. Noah was the first to build an altar and sacrifice to God on an altar. I think God had to tell him about an altar. God probably told Noah, Noah, I know you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but I want an altar when you sacrifice. This is going to be special because when you sacrifice, you're sacrificing to me. You're making an offering to me, your God, and, and I need it to be special. I need to, when you sacrifice, for this to be from your heart not just to sacrifice something and not have any thought about it, but to sacrifice it from your heart that you give it to me out of love from your heart. The altar, really, it should be an important part of the Christian life. It should be an important part of the Christian life because God has placed a a lot of uh, emphasis on the altar. He's placed a lot of emphasis on the altars. We read it all through the Bible. Past after Noah, many altars were built to sacrifice to God. And uh, like I said a while ago, an altar is a place where a sacrifice is brought to God, offered to God by man. The altar is where God comes down and that's where he meets man and accepts man's sacrifice to him. God's presence, his spirit comes down to that altar to receive the sacrifice that is being offered to him. You know, it's uh, it's even worth God's mercy comes down his mercy comes down at that altar to receive what man brings to him he touches man and at that altar comes forgiveness forgiveness from our sins from all the wrongdoings that we have ever done and a lot of people don't realize it but you realize an altar is a place for both the saint and the sinner For the saint, it's a place to offer prayers and praise and thanksgiving to God. For the sinner, it's a place to offer a sacrifice of confession of his sins and to ask God for his forgiveness. I love it. When a sinner comes down to the altar, kneels before God, and says, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm kneeling at your altar asking for your forgiveness. I am giving you the sacrifice of my confession. I believe that you are God. I believe that your Son is Jesus Christ. I believe He died on that cross for me. I now have received your Son Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. As I kneel before your altar, I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my life and to be my Lord and be my Savior. You know what happens? This man now has eternal life. He has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord. See, and like I've said many times, God did not make salvation difficult. He made it very simple. He made it very simple so we could understand it and come to Him and uh, I've often wondered when I see sometimes I see people come down I mean I know why they come down I've talked to them many times if you see somebody come down here you might not know what they come down here for I do and my heart just explodes with joy because I know why they're here and then I've wondered Why there is so many people who wait until there's destruction, there's heartache, problems in their life before they come to the altar. Have you ever noticed that? Something has to take place. There has to be destruction, heartache, all kinds of problems. Then they want to run to the altar and ask God to take all that away. Sometimes I wonder why no, I'm going to tell you right now, even Jesus said in this life, we will have tribulation. We will have problems. We will have heartaches. We will go through a lot of things. So I think what he's saying, why don't you prepare right now before it gets here? Before it comes, because it's coming. Every one of us have been touched by a loved one's death. But you know, when you've got God in your heart and you're loved when you know they've got God in their heart, you know where they're at. And you know you're going to see them again. Y'all are going to see Jeff again. You're going to see Jimmy again. You're going to see Harold. We're going to see many of our loved ones because we know where they're at. But many times... People will not come to the altar before the problems and the tribulations come in their life. They wait for it to come, thinking, well, I guess I'm going to have to go to God and see if I can get rid of it. But you know, when you come to God, you've got to believe in God. You can't just run down here to an altar and pray and not believe. Many people think, I've had people, Ask me, Bill, would you pray for me? I said, well, yeah, I'll pray for you. Why don't you pray for yourself too? Well, I don't know how to pray. You know there's a lot of people out there like that. I don't know how to pray. You know what God wants? He wants your heartfelt prayers. What you feel in your heart. Prayer is not Something that you go to a book and read. I mean, you can, but what God wants is straight from your heart. What you feel. Your love for Him. Coming to Him, asking for His forgiveness. You know, a lot of people have made mistakes and think they're saved today. They've come and asked God to forgive their sins. But they didn't do it in their heart. They did it through the flesh. All they thought, well, I'll just go down there and I'll ask God to forgive my sins. But they didn't have the faith that God would forgive them. You're, these, these people are living with a false hope. You have to believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, well, I think maybe He might be. Uh, you No, it's believing in your heart. He is. Coming to God without faith It's just like going into the shower and all you're going to do is get wet. To come to God, you have to come in faith. Believing He is who He says He is. Believing He is the Son of God. When you come to Jesus and ask Him to come into your life forgive your sin, believe in your heart. He is God. God's truly Son. It said and, and, you know, and we've quoted it and we quote it, and every one of you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever would believe on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then the next scripture below that, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But the world might be saved through him. How are you saved through Jesus? Believing Jesus is the Son of God. Believe he come and died on the cross. You have to believe it. You cannot come to God with doubt. Do y'all realize that doubt catches out faith? But faith catches out doubt. Which one do you have the, which one's strongest in you? Doubt or faith? I hope it's your faith. I hope it's your faith that is so strong that nothing, nothing can turn you away from God. When you truly accept God, there's going to be some changes made in your life. You're not going to be that same person you was. You're going to be somebody and you above all people should be rejoicing, so grateful by what you feel in your spirit that the change that has taken place in you. You should be the very first to know it. Then those around you should know it. You should have a glow about you. You should have excitement about you. Should walk different. Should walk with your head up. Walk in faith. That's what it says about the righteous. For we shall walk in faith and not by sight. Sight's going to scare you to death. And faith is going to bring you through it. We walk by faith and not by sight. You walk by faith and not about all the junk you hear on, on the TV news. But you walk by faith and who your Lord and who your God is. But I got to thinking, we was just talking, I got a little off of it there, but it seems like it's only after something really bad happens in a person's life that they want to run to the altar. Oh, I guess I better get to church. Oh, I guess I better pray. Boy, things are really getting bad. Where's your faith if your faith is not in God you're not reaching God he doesn't hear your prayer you know, well, you know what you' like what you know the prayer he hears father I am a sinner and I' come to you asking for your forgiveness God hears that prayer and then from then on he's listening. But until you confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ, your prayers are not heard. It's a void, an emptiness. Probably a prime example of what I'm talking about when destruction happens. We all watched it on TV when those towers were hit. In New York City, they said, all the churches were full. Standing room only. People couldn't even get, all the people couldn't even get inside the church. Then, when things kind of calmed down, the churches started getting empty. Kind of like what you see here today. Kind of started getting empty. It says that Jesus will not come back until there, he said, when there is a falling away. People start leaving the church. People start going back out into the world. People start doing their thing. He says, you better open up your eyes and you better watch. Because it's getting close. It's getting close. The devil thinks he's winning. But there's going to be such an all-out victory through Christ. I think here eventually, pretty quick, I think we're going to see probably one of the greatest revivals this world has ever seen. I think we're going to start seeing things happen. People are going to start coming back to church. Things are going to start getting so bad i got to get back. i got to get back in church. When I was in church, I used to not go through all this. People are going to be coming back. I guarantee you. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. People are going to start coming back, flooding, filling the churches, asking God to come back into their life, to bless them, to be with them, to watch over them, to help them get through the situations they're going through. And we're gonna start going through some situations for a long. If you like where you're sitting, you better be here regular because somebody else is gonna take your seat. It's gonna fill up. It's gonna fill up. I believe it. I believe it. As soon as nine eleven started kind of easing up the churches started kind of emptying out. The people quit, going. Well, I guess I just thought it was time for me to go back to church, but it looks like, it's, it looks like everything's going to be alright. I'll go back out in the world. I'll get back out there doing what I was doing. There shall come perilous times. Watch. Watch. Be with God, have God in your life, let God's hand be on you, and let God watch over you when these times get here. You know, I honestly believe that God would rather have the sacrifice of love than the sacrifice of fear. To love Him and be in His house. And to be out somewhere and things start happening, and then you try to run into his house. You're only coming to him because of fear. Every one of you in here right now should be fear-free. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy to scare you. A tactic that the enemy uses constantly. God says, I did not give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Now use them. Get into my word and see what my word is telling you. Then stand on that word. Believe that word. Don't listen to the world and the things that are going on in the world. Keep your eye on the eastern sky. Why? Because that's where He's coming from. You know, we're talking about the altar. That altar was so important. To God, do y'all know that God's got an altar in heaven? A golden altar in heaven. That's how much God loves the altar. That's how important the altar is to God. He put one in heaven right in front of His throne. Bill, can you back that up? Yes, I can. In Revelation chapter 8 verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. God's got a golden altar before the throne. That altar has your prayers of the saints laying there in God's honor prayers are right in front of God. On the altar. You're sacrificing your feelings, your love to God and he's placing them on his altar. So as we look, we see Noah had an altar. Abraham had altars. Moses had an altar. Solomon built altars. That fact here, here just, I think it's Sunday or so ago, I, I preached on old Solomon when he built the temple. What did he offer God? He offered him a hundred and twenty thousand oxen. And a hundred, some odd thousand sheep. And then they took all that meat, gave it to the people, and they had a feast that lasted for eight days right in the presence of God. God's presence was there with them. Can you imagine what a gathering that must have been? You know, if you want it bad enough, you have God's presence here every time you come in this house. His presence is here. It's whether you receive that presence. It's whether you believe the presence is here. God wants to touch you. He wants you to feel Him. He wants you to know He's here. Yes, Noah had altars. Abraham, Moses, and Solomon all had altars. Plus God has got a golden altar right there in front of His throne. But you know, there's a place that has no altars at all. Has no altars at all. And there are many people right now in hell praying, but they're not at an altar. Because hell don't have altars. These people are beyond right now the reach of God, they're beyond God's mercy. Like I said a while ago, they had their chance when they was walking here on earth to receive God, and they wouldn't do it. They laughed at God. They're laughing at God right now. They're scorning God, making fun of Him, mocking Him. But you know what God's word? He said, "He said, for I shall not be mocked." Oh, God's wrath is going to come down. And these people are going to wish they had made it to an altar before death. They refused God's mercy. God offered them mercy. Offered them forgiveness. They refused it. And they refused His grace. Now they're paying very dearly for it. Now they're in hell. The Bible says they're in hell. They're in darkness. They're crying. They're screaming. They're gnashing their teeth at each other. And yes, you know what else they're doing? They're praying. Yes, praying. But not at an altar. They're praying for one more chance to come and kneel at an altar. One more chance, God. If you'll just give me one more chance. But they're beyond help now. They said one more chance to come and kneel at that altar and accept Christ's invitation to salvation. See, now they believe. They've experienced. They believe now. But it's too late for them. Those people in hell would give everything they had to be sitting where you are right now. They said, if I just had one more chance, one more chance, if I could just come to church another time, if I just had one more chance to come and kneel at the altar, oh, they'd love another chance. They'd love another chance to hear a sermon that y'all are probably saying, boy, I wish he'd hurry up and get through. They'd love to hear it. Or a song of invitation. Inviting them to come to Christ. And to have one more chance to come to God's altar. One more chance to receive Christ. Boy, if I just had that one more chance. How many people are out there right now that's in this predicament? They're walking around. They're alive. And this could very easily be their last day of life. And they don't know God. You know what's going to happen? If they die without Jesus, they shall not have life abundant. They shall not have life eternal. And God's wrath shall on them. They only knew, but we don't. That's why we do it now while we can. Believe God's Word. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've got family and friends, tell them what I'm just telling you. This could be your last day. You could die today. It could be a car wreck. It could be a heart attack. It could be any number of things. You could be in an accident. Who knows? You know, there are just freak deaths all the time. Nobody's expecting. It's not like you're laying there with cancer and you're expecting some you are to die. But just freak accidents that take that happen. That take a life. But if that life is taken without Jesus Christ, they're going to burn in hell. I don't know any other way to put it. It's over. It's true. They get in that grave, and they get into hell. They're out of God's reach. They're away from God's mercy. They had their chance here, and they refused it. So if you've got family and friends that you know that need Jesus Christ in their life. Today is the day. As a matter of fact, even the Bible says for, day, for today is the day of salvation. Today is the day because you're not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. The hope we got is we may already promise tomorrow, but before we know who holds tomorrow. We know who's in charge. We know if we die right now, we're going to be with Jesus. So many people don't know that. I know this isn't a popular sermon, but I think it's something that from time to time we all need to hear. We need to be reminded. If we're not reminded about hell, many times we forget about it. Just like in the Bible, Jesus preached and talked more about hell than he did heaven because he knew how bad it was the Bible says Jesus created hell he knows exactly what hell is he knows what's going on there he knows what's going to go on because he created it created it for Satan and his demons the man got to fall into Satan and the demons so Now they're included in it too. The only way to bypass hell is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man comes unto the Father except through me. No other way. I don't care how hard, how good of works you do, anything else. It's only by grace, God's grace, that you're saved. It's not not your works. It's your faith in God and by His grace of forgiveness. And that grace of forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ, His Son. If you're here today, and you say, Bill, I may need to come to that altar. I'm going to ask the band to come up. If you need to come to this altar, if it's for yourself, if it's for a family member, you can't pray and save a family member, but you can pray. For God to touch that person and draw them to Him. To make them start thinking about Him. If you need to do that, if you've got somebody close, somebody special, oh Lord, I don't want them in heaven. I want to be in heaven with me. Pray, for, pray that God touch them. Pray that He will draw them. It says that we cannot come to to God unless we are drawn by the Spirit. We have to be drawn. Pray that God will draw them to Him. Now, whether they accept it, that's that's, that's up to them. You've got your heart. God's there available. Now it's up to them. It's up to anybody that has not accepted Jesus Christ. It's in your ballpark. What you need to do is hit you a big home run. And accept Jesus if you haven't. So I'm going to ask the band to play. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to pray for somebody, if you need to pray for yourself, please do. Today is a day of salvation.